someone was doing a Prezi presentation. Um, and uh, oh yeah, it's just ones where the words turn upside down, yeah, and then grow a dick and fuck itself and go inside out and then fly around in little fart circles and then something opens up sideways and it's a whole new figure. It was the craziest. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's kind of fun. Um, if I had to explain my research to primary school students, I think it would be ideal. Welcome to the Everything Hurts Podcast. I am a sentient radish from the Horsehead Nebula. My name is James Heathers. I work at Northeastern University in Boston, Massachusetts. With me today is the man himself, Daniel Santiago Quintana, from the University of Oslo. He is not any form of vegetable. You've, uh, you've nailed the pronunciation there, James. Yeah, come on. Look, it's not that, it's not that hard. If you were Polish, it would have taken a few goes. We would be we would be re-recording this. I would be apologising, stuttering a little, hating the idea of consonants, etc. We, we have, we have How are another, you? I'm I'm good. I'm doing really well. It's uh, lots of lots of data at the moment, which is good. One of those uh, good problems to have where you have more more data than time. So things have been going oh. well in the lab. Yeah. Well, for uh, if in the in the world of the research parasites, sir, there's always more data. Than time. <laughs> so, you know, I saw something online. There was actually a uh, there was a research parasite award. I don't remember who was. Uh, yes, I saw. I saw that. Um, I thought that was a particularly funny. Um, Anyone who's against it, like, people should be aware that the Streisand effect works everywhere. <laughs> and the moment you go, the moment you go and give something like this a name, people are going to go. You know what? I quite like that. Um, have you heard of? Have you heard of? There's a, a similar, a similar uh, kind of. I suppose it's really a, an, an insult. Um, riffraff. This is more. Uh, this is something that happened in the more the. Uh, by biology end of things, did you did you get across that one? No. What, what was this? Ah, we were at um, the the future research place in San Francisco a little while back, and they were giving out riffraff t shirts. And I got that's fantastic. What's that? I go, look, let me guess. Some senior guy in some field, and it is always some old dude with like a cane and a cardigan who's yelling at the science kids to get off his lawn. Said that. Oh, a whole bunch of people in research were riffraff because they were sort of young scum. So yeah, yeah, that's exactly Love what it. happened. Love Fucking it. knew it. Because we have them too. We have them too. Only, you know, it's a, it's a Willie the Research Parasite. There's a little mascot as well. Is there? He's quite a... He's quite... Yeah, he's adorable. Is he, as is they he say a... here, he's adorable. He's adorable. <laughs> yeah. The Boston Adorable has three H's in it. Yeah, man. It's good. Parasitism for the win. Uh, there was another paper. It was a great paper the other day. I'll see if we can hunt this one down. They were trying to figure out how much money has been saved by not running fMRI studies. I saw that. What was that the figure? Been done. It was uh, what, uh, one and a half, three, three million pounds. Three million pounds. <laughs> so you know, that's the thing. I mean, that's why the word is wrong. I know it's fun to reappropriate words the things like obamacare ha it's the worst thing ever until it turns out to be you know making sure you don't die in a drainage ditch somewhere at which point in time they go yeah call it whatever the hell you like i'll put my name on it so you can do that but the problem with a parasite is 
you, you know, a, a parasite is going to kill a host. It's part of its life cycle. It's not like a symbiotic relationship. It's the fact that it's sucking the blood out of something. So you're doing you're you're doing the parasitism thing. Ironically, it has to be. Mm. Yeah, but research symbiote or what's the one? It's a it should be a lichen. A lichen or a uh, yeah, a or it should be a moss and a, a moss and a fungus. Yeah, exactly. Research remora. Research that's remora. A, we should. Uh... That's an infinitely better suggestion. Um, the, the, obviously, then you have a size disparity as well. Maybe that will Which make is true. The, uh, you're, you're often, you know, it's often the the senior types. Well, it's, are... it's you. It's, it's yeah. It's you by yourself and someone else who spent two million dollars getting all this stuff stuck together, and then you have <laughs> access to the data and you can use something. But you also make the great big shark healthy, don't you? You keep his skin healthy. You're improving their That's methods. That's what you need. Research for yeah. more. Well, how have we thought of this before? Really, yeah. I don't know. This is the the best part is that this is uh, entirely unplanned. Entirely, <laughs> this is this is this is why you wanted to start a podcast in the first place because occasionally talking shit results in something useful. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes uh, we did we did actually have a a, a topic. We did have a topic. Yes, yeah. we have a, a an introductory topic. Now, there's um, if you if anyone who's listening to this podcast doesn't know who Ed Yong is. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm not even going to bother. Anyone who's listening to this podcast knows who Ed Yong is. If you don't, you're going to have to pretend and then catch up furiously while no one's looking. Fake it till you make it. Don't worry about it. Great article in The Atlantic. Uh, how the GOP could use science's reform movement against it. This is something that I'd thought about before. If you have an open science movement and you have people a lot of people that we know but people sort of more in general than it used to be coming out and going oh scientific practice is fucked and a lot of these people are stupid and there's uh, poor incentives and there's 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 all sorts of terrible motivations at work and it's all very dreadful and we should hit the whole thing with a hammer and see what lives people who don't understand that this is part of a generative process of improving things. We'll take many of those arguments and reappropriate them and say things like, well, none of it works anyway, so you can't have any money. Mm. Which is my old white man in Congress who is secretly a deviant voice. <laughs> so, great article. Um cites a lot of people who everyone would be familiar with all the usual suspects within open science etc but it's a really that's a very sobering idea the idea that you you're that this incredibly important collective movement to improve everything open data practices methodology the structure of journals themselves how criticism is uh how criticism is disseminated how research is organized you stick all that together and the fact that that could be ammunition for some troglodyte from oklahoma who thinks that uh we shouldn't we shouldn't be studying science because it's messing with the plan of special gibbers come on man that's so that is at least pause for for thought um, I we'll, obviously we'll put the article in the show notes if you haven't read it, read it, read it. Past tense, read it. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't read it, uh, I'd do it because it's a pretty important idea. But I'm going to throw it straight to you, obviously, because you're the good-looking one here. 
What do you think of the premise of this? Look, it's one of those things that you wouldn't actually consider would be an almost side effect of having open science. We thought, you know, you'd think this would be all all positive, having data out there so people can reproduce it. But the fact that people can actually weaponize it for their own means, it's kind of scary. And if someone would say to me, I'd go, no, nah, that's not going to happen. But actually having a read through the article and seeing uh, there was actually an act uh, that, that was oh, sorry there was a bill that was passed recently which is kind of a, a harbinger of what what may actually happen i think this bill was specifically focused towards the uh uh the environmental protection agency but the sort of stuff mm. that they can do um looks like uh you know it's, it's the kind of stuff that can actually happen with science when it comes to the demands of um you know of, of researchers and just seeing some crazy figures there that um you know, if you're actually going to be implementing um, implementing these bills, it's going to be incredibly expensive for mm. people to actually do these things. And I'm reading stories of, uh, particularly when it comes to climate scientists, um, people in government um, are basically bogging down entire labs because they're going, well, you know, you, you, you've presented these things, show us the evidence, show us the data, and they have to go back, you know, 20, 20 30 years to actually generate this data. And instead of doing science, they've just been bogged down in all these requests now it looks like the well so in, in other words in other words the idea of like the, the your results have to be communicated openly and they, but they're they're splattered all around our office and in our archives and they're not like they can't be given away to immediately that's not really how we work but they go no go away and show us every single thing you have so they're kind of they're you saying they're using open data the idea yeah as as a method of wasting people's time well, or at least the the immediate. I'm not saying open data is a waste of time, but the immediate compliance factor is really shooting everything in the foot. And I saw, especially that it, for historical data, right? It's look, is that right? Because you know more about this than me. Yeah, it, it looks like it, they they can. The, the idea being that if it's government funded, then they can go. Well, show us show us the things. Show us how you actually did this. Um, and it's just yeah, right. it's, if you're if you if you're somewhat cynical, you could say this is a stalling tactic of you know i've I've even seen this in um uh some some people some sort of nefarious characters have emailed um and contacted um irbs at universities and complained about oh you know i've I've heard about this research study and this research study is doing this i have my concerns x y z and of course the irbs have to exercise due, due diligence and actually investigate these particular trials from these concerns from the public um and uh quite often really? yeah and quite often you have to actually shut down well, i mean because this- that's not <laughs> that that's not my entire experience with irbs i mean <laughs> some of them have got a, a really focused ability to ignore questions from the general scientific public completely but he's like ones who actually do their jobs are compelled to respond to yeah this well no stuff that is not veritically you know it's not accurate well, cause, it's cause, from an it's from a lunatic, is, is it? Essentially, but the thing is, you have to take all these all right. things seriously, and um, you know, quite a lot of it is. Um, it, it all comes down to, oh, well, they're ignoring my secret theory. Yeah, remember, <laughs> uh, it's kind of like the, uh, the the crackpot index, which uh, which will uh, is from a, a previous episode of people who you know have have these ideas, these these uh, particularly within physics, but um, you know. Oh. One of these, uh, yeah, yeah, um, but of course, you know, these people with these ideas that no one believes and no one trusts—it's the same sort of thing here. Um, I've heard stories of 
this happens quite a lot within the realm of PTSD. People have opinions. um, People have opinions on how PTSD treatment should go, um, particularly veterans. Yeah. Um, Okay. And uh, there's there's been a few stories of people um, contacting, going, you know, these drug treatments that are happening. um, They're completely incorrect. It's a complete wrong way about doing it. These people are being harmed. Um, and then this is how they're contacting committees. Um, and then when you really dig down to it, it goes, well, they didn't actually consider my treatment or my thing, which the establishment won't listen to. And because the establishment won't listen to it, it's because I'm right and that they can't make any money off my treatment. That, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's always because no one who worked for the government ever got paid more for saving money, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, it's just I I always love the fact that um I don't know if conspiracy theorists are the most cynical people alive or the most optimistic people alive because conspiracies usually involve everyone having a really well thought out focused self-contained and very large plan where people can intercoordinate that uh, an awful lot of people are privy to secret information. It never leaks out properly. It only ever squirts out the side somewhere, even though there's <laughs> dozens or hundreds or thousands of people involved. And they all manage to present a united front and can organize beautifully around a central topic. Um, that's obviously highly cynical, but it's also <laughs> really optimistic. It's incredibly optimistic. Is ever planned that well. If only <laughs> nothing is nothing is ever that together. It's like if you could take all these people working on this conspiracy and just get them to work on the right shit, their ability to intercoordinate is amazing. It'd be incredible. So uh, yeah, it would. It would in a world where all that stuff was possibly true. Um, it would be all, only all, you only need a few. You're only a few short leaps away from having everything beautifully organized, which is the exact opposite of how it usually fucking is. Ah. So this whole war on science thing, uh, I don't know if I told you what I thought about it. The principles of openness, transparency, and reproducibility might be weaponized. I love that word to defund and deny research. You know what the problem with this is? Hmm. They'll take fucking anything to do that to start with. It doesn't make this... This is no more or less powerful than all the other cynical attempts to make research look silly or to reduce its individual individual importance of any specific thing. You're, they're simply taking what's... Of, if they don't... If, if there's an awful lot of people who feel that science is an enterprise is not particularly important. Uh, And there's a sort of a vague dislike because it occasionally comes out with results that they don't like. Scientists can be quite loud. Um, A lot of the time they're not particularly well organized and they do like fighting with each other. They're a bit (laughs) like cats, but they are, they're really difficult to ignore. So if you just go around resenting it in the first place, you'll take any old shit and use it to try and invalidate what you're looking at. And there's a, especially here, this happened in Australia as well, but we get to that in a second, but especially here. Are we talking about every, the wind farm commissioner? 
Yeah, that's exactly that kind of shit. But just like, give me give me a second to finish and tell you what a bunch what a bunch of fucking unusable dildos Congress are. Seriously, um, that every now and then you, this has probably happened three or four times. You get some putts from Frog Balls, Iowa, and he gets up in front of a camera and he goes, "Oh, did you know that they did a uh, they did they did a terrible grant? There was a grant for oh, what was the one a couple of years ago." It was something like, uh, it was like early prehistoric fires. Someone was studying that. Uh, so the, 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 the remains, I suppose, not really the fossils, but it's like the ecological consequences of, uh, setting, setting, uh, setting fires in, in early humans, not hominids, like early humans. And they gave this a bunch of money and they stand up and go, we don't need to know anything about that. Look at it. It's ridiculous. And then just find out the things. It's like, oh, we need to do, oh, this is on the shape of the penis of the zebrafish. <laughs> those, those wacky, those wacky kids wasting all our cash on shit that sounds dumb. So look, the ability for them to take stuff out of Congress is this block of people who th- think that, that science is, a, is an annoyance with its reality bollocks. Um, the, the ability to take the, anything out of context and then use it to hit people over the head is very, very well established. The idea that you need to do less open science because this is going to happen... You know, look, it's, it, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is it's going to happen anyway. They don't care what they're using to beat you over the head. They'll take they'll take whatever's available. They'll go through all the NSF and NIH grants and find something and go, oh look at this, this is ridiculous, <laughs> and take it wildly out of context and say whatever the fuck they like. I, I heard of a few granting agencies that actually have stopped. Um, quite often, it's pretty common for you to do a one paragraph layman summary of your research. And what they were yeah. finding was that this exact same thing was happening. Some politician, some person would come up and go, look at this research about medieval fires. This is ridiculous. We shouldn't be funding this. Um, but that was yeah. only because they were taking this one paragraph out of context. So this funding agency yeah, right. got to the point where they were going, okay, um, have your title because you need to have a title. But um, they weren't actually publicly releasing the uh, the one Where paragraph. Where was that? Blurb. I don't remember who it was, but I, I remember an agency started doing that. I don't know that. if I agree. I don't know if I agree with that approach. I'm no, sure but, you, you want to keep all that stuff together, but just add the context. The problem is it doesn't have any context. That's what they were doing. Don't so, give me a one pager. Uh, sorry, a one paragraph. I want a one pager. That's, like, what, that's why what they did are instead. we studying this specific thing? They did. They did a, a one yeah, pager, right. and um, and so journalists could actually read into that kind of stuff. I remember there's there's a few politicians in Australia did the same sort of thing as soon as the uh, ARC yes. the ARC funding came round. yes the, the moment lo- the ARC fund that's the Australian Research Council for people who uh, have never been to the best little country in the world yeah mate, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah mate yeah every time the ARC money comes out it was uh, I remember there was one thing uh, it was specifically it was uh, it was it, it, like women's health practices uh, in Islamic bit of yes, Egypt. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, it was a while back, um, and they were, you know, it's one of the one of the Corey Bernardi crowd. It's a, <laughs> Corey Bernardi. If you if you don't know him, imagine a ham, but it's angry. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's all you need to know. Um, you know, one one central bone, fat flap on top, uh, reasonably a, a, a reasonable taste in suits. Yeah, actually, yeah, the a little bit shiny, single breasted. But um, the... apart from that, 
Sorry? The latest thing that he did was um, he's been posting about the, uh, the, the the war on Easter, and he was talking about... Uh, oh, for that... fuck's sake. Dan, no, come on. Come on, focus. If we get into stupid things that people said, this is going to be one of those yelling episodes. It'll be a long and we episode. know from the figures that less people make it to the end of a yelling episode. <laughs> they love it. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, right. I, must admit, I get the most compliments from episodes where I'm the shittiest. So oh, really? I don't know what that tells me. Well, yeah, let, people write. Oh, I really like that. I go, fuck, I spent 20 minutes screaming. Um, let's let's okay, go with the, the, the 7 a.m. episode. Have a talent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that'll do it. <laughs> Good morning, Daniel. Well, I'm uh, dying. Well, <laughs> um, let me, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, Islamic, Islamic sex practices, something, something. Um there was a very good reason for doing this research. Uh, if you take it out of context, and the nice part was the people who were doing the research wrote an article about it. I saw this. And once you got to understand the rationale behind the research, even even as a, a, a person who is occasionally cynical of the social sciences and humanities, you, re- you read the idea and go, oh, that is focused and appropriate and no one has ever done that before and even even i get the rationale for that oh no wonder they awarded this grant. I, mean, I know the the rates aren't amazing these days but yeah of course they gave her the money that seems totally legit but you hear it out of context oh, who cares about fannies in egypt 400 years ago ah, me and my brothers larry barry and harry have nothing to do with this it's all godless and awful Silly old bastards. <sighs> I think the the problem with this approach, though, is that it gives politicians or whoever wants to use it a reason to actually pick and choose the type of research that they that they don't like. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, there is, oh yeah, I mean, I, I, you couldn't find a, a politician that would say that they dislike all research. I think some forms of research, particularly the more medical sciences. Um, I mean, it's a great politician to say, oh, yeah. cut, cut the cancer yeah. research, you know, particularly research that kills old white men. I think that'll, that'll always be funded quite well. But uh, Yeah, of course. I mean, look, this is a, I, I think that, that's part of the... Is it cynical to say that that's part of the enormous advances that we've made in cutting people's chests open and replumbing them? <laughs> cardiovascular, cardiovascular health stuff now if you look at the overall figures it's been really successful it's been really successful stents statins um the just the 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 procedural straightforwardness with which you can do a a cardiac bypass graft or uh, it's I know surgeons who didn't become cardiologists because they thought it was boring because it was too routine wow I had that conversation with two separate surgeons. Like, what do you want to cut open? What could be more important than a heart? And they go, nah, it's all too, it's all too easy now. We've got too many good tools. I want to do something more complicated. It's not a, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't give me what I'm looking for. I go, oh, it's significant. I go, yeah, but you know, I know people who can do three of them a day, that operation. Oh, wow. Okay. So, you know, I mean, you get to a certain point. It's not like you're a surgeon. You're not going to starve. And they're just going, ah, hmm. You know, it doesn't it doesn't fulfill my interests cutting open chests because it's all too easy. Old white male chests. Uh, That'll do it. But then, yeah, so you can actually pick and choose the sort of research that you're uh, that you're against and that you want to stall. So that's that's where the danger is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, look, you see, the moment there's an element of selectivity in that, it's super dangerous. The the idea that that can be led into the tent in the first place. Mm. 
Yeah, there was some talk here a while back about um, the research has to be in the national interest or something Ooh, similarly squirrely. No. <laughs> and that's obviously the the backlash against that. I mean, if there are any members of Congress listening, the backlash against that will be severe. Because that's very obviously coded language for we don't like you and what you're doing. Um, we're not going to... We're not going to let you occupy the correct funding criteria, et cetera, et cetera. Um, a lot of the problems around the, um, around the, at least within the Australian context, um, was that uh, journalists and the, the politicians that were targeting uh, these, uh, what they thought were wacky research proposals, don't really understand the yeah. process that goes behind this, that the fact that there is experts, quite often international experts, that read all these grants and actually decide, no, 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 like there's a ten percent success rate for these things. So it's yeah. not just oh, this this thing was a good idea to do, and they got nothing, you know, they're, they're they're bored and they want to fill their time. This is really really good cutting edge research that they're doing. Yeah, uh, a lot of the time, look, the only way to the only way to have any kind of certainty with a lot of these applications is to have something that's really special or unusual. I mean. That that most grant agencies have a figure of like what would we ideally fund, and it's a lot of the time it's somewhere between like forty and seventy percent of the applications that they get. What they actually have enough money to fund is a completely different story. Uh, and why we're in such a huge pile of shit when it comes to like the funding processes. Mm. I, uh, I tried to simulate this a while back, and I ended up in sort of simulation hell as the fact of. What were you simulating? If you, the, well, if you consider the difference between success rates or the idea that you're going to write grants until you have enough money to do your job. Yeah. When is a success rate falling from 35% to 30% is pretty negligible. But the success rate falling from 15% to 12% is a fucking nightmare because you are writing multiple additional applications to try and get to so the, the the relationship between the percentage funding rate and the amount of hypothetical no matter how you model it the amount of the hypothetical preparation writing etc that you get to prepare prospectively to ask for money is multiplicative in other words uh so if we've got if think think if you think about it as a ratio it's much easier if your chances of getting something are one in seven and you have to keep going till you get something. Uh, one in eight is the think of the amount of applications that now have to be written and reviewed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and those things are much closer together. The inverse of all the integers are much closer together. The the larger the denominators get. Yep. In other words, if you go from twelve percent to ten percent, people are writing a shitload more. If you go from thirty percent to twenty eight percent, it's totally negligible. As the amount of actual work that has to be done to get money. So it's now worse in more or less everywhere than it's ever been, as mm. far as I'm aware. Yeah. Which is a sobering note. So there you go. If there's one thing you're going to complain about, yeah. It's it's the fact that... Uh, it's not the fact that 10% of stuff's getting funded and it's all wacky. It's the fact <laughs> that they'd like to fund up to two-thirds of the stuff that they get and then they're making decisions based on criteria that are totally arbitrary yeah. between a competing good applications. And on that cheery note, we have to take a break because I need to stick my head in a bucket of water or something and try and forget my terrible career choice.
Welcome back to Everything Hurts. Uh, today we have been uh, discussing a few things, uh, particularly an article written by uh, Ed Yong, um, looking at ways of weaponizing open data science. And uh, but before we get back into the episode, we just want to uh, give a, a shout out to uh, people who've been talking about uh, Everything Hurts online, getting uh, a ton of listens for some recent episodes, and uh, a lot of that has come down to people just uh, talking about us on Twitter. Uh, so, yeah, we, we love that, don't you, James? Yeah. Twitter that I am on. Yeah. Like a modern, fancy gentleman would be. W- would I be right in saying that you are spending far more time on Twitter now than you are on Facebook? Or is it... Uh... No. Look, you know how I use these things. I get on them. I, I go, ah, and then write things with a furious, furious pa- intent. Passion, and, passion um, fingers. That's creepy we're not going to call them that that yeah just the type what scottish teenagers do in bus shelters um <laughs> yeah and then you know look you shut it again i'm not I, I think it's like you can't you can't i think you've been on the internet too long you can't sit around waiting for people to say something because they won't mm. you just have to get in there do a talking and then you've got to put it to one side or you won't be able to operate properly as a human being um, I got to shout out. Actually, there's a new. We've got new kids in town in podcast land. There's a new podcast called Black Goat. The Black Goat. Now, um, if you want to talk, if you want to hear people talking shit about uh psych stuff, I suppose in general methodology psych stuff. Um, it's a three up. It's uh Samin Vizier, Alexa Tullet, and Sanjay. Sanjay. Sanjay, how do you like that, Sanjay? That's the Australian version. Um, I've listened to all of the episodes so far. It's good. Uh, I think they. I, I like. I like the issues that they choose, and they're very. It's some real meat and potato shit if you do what we do, and yeah, that's. It's going on my roster for shit, sure. I'm actually glad good. to hear that there's uh, there's more podcasts coming out doing the same sort of stuff that we're doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I've been waiting for ages. There's there's a space if you want to have a community full of people. It's like, well, do do you want to be the only podcast? Fuck off! I wouldn't like. No, absolutely not. I think there should be somewhere between. Considering the environment, I think somewhere between sort of like four and ten is probably healthy. Yeah. And there's a, f- a few others people are recommended. I, I don't have time. I can't listen to people talk and not have to pay full attention. So I have to listen to them walking around and shit. If I listen to them in my house, I have to, I have to turn it off and put the music back on. You know, because I can't work and listen to people talk. You know, with Overcast, um, you can actually do a, uh, yeah. a, a speech uh, fast forward feature where you can actually make the people talk a bit faster or the the actual audio go faster without making them sound like chipmunks that makes it even Quick. less likely that i could really? concentrate why on... no but it, well it, then it there'll sounds... be people talking fast down no, it's going to be more engaging no, of course you, you don't fast forward at like times four but basically you fast forward at like times 1.2 1.3 and it still sounds like they're not speeding through the conversation but then it turns a a, a 50 minute podcast into a 40 minute podcast Oh, thanks. Yeah, okay. So that's 40 minutes that I can't work in versus 50 minutes that I yeah. can't work in. Well, hooray for efficiency dividend, you massive Huge. donkey. It's not, that's not, yeah, okay. It's a, there's a different amount of time, but it's not going to do much. 
I still can't I still can't write code or write a paper or do things or have a conversation with someone else listening to other people talk. <laughs> that is true. So yes. Ah. He's doing it on purpose. He's this is what you don't see. You don't see his little face smiling maliciously under his under his pop filter. Now I can tell when he's winding me up because his eyes crease up at the sides. <laughs> you know it because you got he's got a little heads up of your own enormous swollen foreign head. You rotten man. Uh, you love it. Um, but yeah, um, it's I it's, love it ish. It's great to uh, it's great to have new uh, podcasts podcasters good. in the um in the space so uh yeah black uh, black we'll, we'll put the uh, the name on the um on the show notes we'll, yeah we'll, yeah for sure so. i don't know the provenance i don't know the provenance of the name it's um maybe it's just maybe it's about that film where the goat was satan <laughs> what is that if you just google black goat you're gonna get that film okay uh what's it what, what was he called shob shob Nigarath. Lovecraft, man. Okay. Um. No. Yeah. I don't know. The black goat of the. Uh, yeah. Here we are. The black goat of a woods with a thousand young is a deity. Uh, in the Cthulhu mythos of H.P. Lovecraft, massive weirdo and racist, but never mind that. Um. Oh wow. Okay, that's not a goat at all. Uh, forget I said any of this, and don't Google image search that. There's always a risk when you uh. <laughs> That is like a death metal album cover, only worse. <laughs> it's less blood and more space monsters. Um, let's do real podcast. Um, you, you had a topic, young man. Yeah, I was thinking. Um, right now it's uh, it's conference season. Uh, a lot of conferences happening right now. Uh, I actually get quite jealous uh, seeing all these conferences on Twitter. Um, they all they yeah, me too. They seem <laughs> they seem much more interesting than the conferences that I go to. Uh, well. You know, a lot of the conferences I go to, there's, there's, uh, at the start, they're like, yes, this is our hashtag. Make sure you talk about the conference on Twitter. I'm like, yeah, awesome. You know, this is a conference with about like 2,000 people. And by the end of it, mm. the hashtag is basically me and three other people trying to, you know, get the thing going. <laughs> and there's just, there's just no one on, there's just no one on Twitter. Uh, I mean, and then, and then you get sort of, you know, some, some, some older type going, oh, what's this Twitter business? And they're logging on and they, and they just, <laughs> they log on and, and do one tweet for the conference and then just forget about it. Uh, but yeah, you know, you see... Trez marketing, much future. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but you, you see that happening quite a lot. Um, but yeah, conference season. Um, and I thought it'd be good just to talk about the whole, you know, uh, everything behind the conference. And I saw that there's a really sort of popular quote that uh, quite often conferences actually all happen at the bar. Well, not necessarily literally, but sometimes literally. But it's this idea being that yeah, like sure. the, the whole idea behind the conference is, you know, it's, it's much more than the actual um, presentations and, and seminars and the posters. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. just, uh, there's a whole kind of back channel happening along. And I think that um, that only really suits a certain type of person, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, Dan, there's plenty of people who don't like bars. There's plenty of people who don't drink. There's plenty of people who don't like the company of people who are being raucous. And everything that's in that general area of humanity, which is a huge chunk of people. There's people who aren't confident with their language. There are people who are ESL. There are people like you who have to turn their head sideways to get into the room. <laughs> and it's, yeah, look, obviously that's not for everyone. And 
It's also, I don't think that's necessarily true of me, myself. I don't, because, look, uh, I don't want to talk about me, but you know the reaction people can have when they meet me for the first time, especially if it's in that kind of context. It's not always positive. I'll bet if you ran into a met be... you and they, I thought... Gee, gee, he's going to rub, rub him up the wrong way. <laughs> but they're like, he's a cool guy. I'm like, okay, cool. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, they're the only people who think that. So, obviously, besides your friends who are obviously psychologically unhinged. No, but that, um, that, that were more impressive. The rest of the world, more impressed it all, with your physiology all... chops. Oh, well, look, it, it obviously it helps you, you can talk about work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the other thing is like, if, you, if you talk and people feel like they can't approach you because you're basically a yeti and you scream heaps, then it doesn't it doesn't do much for you. They argue, go out, go out, my children, and be social. It's not. It's easier said than done, a lot of the time. Do you um? um do you sort the of, thing is, of course. Uh, sorry, go on, go on. Do you do you sort of pre-contact people before conferences, going, hey, I saw you on the the, the thing. Um, let, let, let's catch up for a beer or whatever. Or do you just kind of find people? How, how do you approach this kind of stuff? I do both. Um. I've, I'm a compulsive after-presentation writer. Um, the problem is... Uh, the problem with this is the fact that when you send an email, like, oh, I saw your presentation yesterday, I wanted to ask you about ABC, I'm working in D, maybe you can help. Which is, Don't do that anymore. Sorry, someone with a horn in the street. Um, so, yeah, both... Um, but the the problem with both of those things is your your emails come at a time where other people are being necessarily disrupted. You know what I mean? Mm. So they're, they're out of they they may be on the route from another conference in or immediately after they're going back trying to catch up with all their stuff, and that's the exact time that you've chosen to email them. I mean, it's it's part of the it's part of the it's the price of doing business. It's, you can't avoid that. Um, but I think overall. I've had far more success with like the the people who I admire the most who are in my areas are extremely careful thinkers and are generally quite I think they're quite open as well. There's no sort of reclusive genius bullshit going on. So the internet's pretty amazing when it comes to can you meet this person? Yeah? You can find them and contact them, and if they want to talk to you, a lot of the time they are available to be talked to. Um, the idea that you necessarily have to go to a conference to meet people like that is obviously bollocks. But it certainly does help if you, if you feel like you want to meet more people in a certain area, if you have questions that you need answered, uh, if you want to meet a community of people who do a particular task you know what i mean mm. that stuff that happens at conferences and i i like i like that um i know an awful lot of people who, who also oh the conf real conference happens at the bar yes the problem is a lot of people are really shit at sitting in presentations and listening to stuff <laughs> hours and hours and hours of stuff and i am one of them i fall asleep i get uncomfortable uh, I'm too big for the chair. My my shoulders are bashing into the person so like next a, to me. Like, like, seriously, Madison. 
Yeah, though it is a little bit like that without obviously the the overacting and the terrible, terrible clothes. But <laughs> I, I can't really do six or seven hours of sitting down in one place like that. I find the format totally just mind numbing. And then you stick me in a warm room in the afternoon and I've got a hangover, I'm going to fall asleep with my mouth open. I have been this way ever since I was, like my brain just shuts up. Even if it's stuff I'm really interested in. Like talks from people that I like that I'm actually interested in where I'm literally following through the experiments of what's happening, even if they're presenting it well. My body will just go, we don't do this. Clang. Gone. Did you see that uh, there are these people that are organizing a Twitter brain conference? So the idea being that you submit your abstracts, yeah, and that you'll say that yeah. you're, you're, rather than doing a presentation, you do a presentation in a series of six threaded tweets, yeah? So that could be text, that could be images, it's perfect. And then when they accept your abstract or do whatever, they do a schedule for the actual Twitter conference, which is on a, at a certain time over a course of a few days. And then they send out, yeah. go, yep, this person is presenting their tweet poster or their tweet presentation at this particular time everyone hops on so you could simultaneously have hundreds or, or thousands if you want listening to this presentation um, that's happening in, in real time they do it um, and then afterwards people can continue asking questions and connect through that I think that's a brilliant idea hmm yeah if you can structure your stuff to fit into the format that's a pretty cool idea but you know, that is, I think there's also uh, a significant room to innovate with that. Um, yeah, is anything anything that will contribute to the demise of PowerPoint? I don't think PowerPoint's uh, the problem. Power- no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not an evangelist about that. I just hate it because I know what I want to talk about and the idea of writing it all down in things that aren't just... My ideal PowerPoint for people is just graphs. Is no. Like my big uh, swollen scone good. on the first page and then just graphs that I can explain. Oh, oh, my favorite just presentation... Pictures. There's no need to write stuff down. No, you don't. So, a title so people know who the hell you are and then story, why we did the research and then just figure, figure, figure and talk. Those are the presentations which are just infinitely more engaging than old mate yeah. reading off bullet points. I feel like you can't control people's attention when you've got text on a screen very often. Especially when you're Just reading it. Like... <laughs> Gee, I've been yeah. through some bad presentations. But the good thing is by going through the bad presentations, you can actually go, yeah, I just don't want to do that and I want to do the opposite. Um, yeah, of course not. Uh, I-, I remember we went to a conference. Um, do you remember that conference? It was... Um, <laughs> It was at University of New South Wales. I think it was a psychophysiology one. Uh, yep. And uh, and someone and this is no, when a few um, years ago that was that was quite a while ago. And someone was doing a prezi presentation. Um, and uh, oh yeah, it's just ones where the words turn upside down, yeah, and then grow a dick and fuck itself and go inside out and then fly around in little fart circles and then something opens up sideways and it's a whole new figure. It was the craziest. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's kind of fun. Um, if I had to explain my research to primary school students, I think it'd be ideal. But the audience hated it. Like you could hear the audience going, "What's going on? Why is it going? <laughs> why is it doing that? Why? Why? Why can't?" I, there was a lot of I that don't action going on. Remember that specifically, but I, um, I absolutely believe you that that happened exactly like that. And, um, and yeah, I'll, they made me feel a bit seasick. I think yeah, you needed yeah. sort of, you know, 
if it's going to be like simple shapes and stuff and you know if you're explaining something i think there's probably a context it could work in but it's almost certainly not here's the result of our complicated clinical trial whoosh upside down (laughs) 35 degrees to the left explode into stars one of the stars uh i don't know criticizes some research and runs off to be a congressman from frog balls iowa i fucking don't know it's uh it's hugely distracting um it's enormously distracting yeah, look the, the present the presentation aspect of a conference a, a lot of people uh that you're going oh i've got conference jealousy i think a lot of them are reasonably small conferences where people yep. are expected to meet each other where they have groups where people work on individual problems or they have presentations where there's lots of time set aside for people to interact um the bigger a conference gets the more likely you are to have small interthreaded groups of experts discussing one particularly difficult thing and then a lot of people are going to learn about that so it's got more of a didactic quality but smaller conferences often are they have a generative quality where you're expected to solve something at the time you're expected to be there's a participative element um as far as not being bored into an early grave obviously that's infinitely preferable mm. i feel like you're actually doing work which is uh, this the, mathematicians interestingly go to conferences to work a lot of the time like like, uh, like a hackathon some of the ones that i know like thing? they go they go to do maths it's like they all go into the same place and they start collaborations in the thing. I mean, I know it'd be hard to stick your cyclotron under your arm <laughs> and go and like take take measurements and push wheel your fMRI in and ask who wants to have a go. It's, obviously, there's not there's limitations to things like that. But, but reckon- there's also a resistance. So that's one of my favorite things to do at a conference. Is, um, I've met I've been in this situation plenty of times. I've got all my stuff, obviously. Like most people these days, I work on a laptop. I have all this external shit for my house, but mostly on a laptop. And someone says, I've got a data problem with XYZ. Usually a heart thing, but it could be any signal. Um, and if you say something like, oh, we can sw- we can solve that right now. Look, uh, I got a business center bullshit thing in the hotel. Uh, are you doing anything at two? Just look, come past, I'll show you how to clean it. We'll take a poke at it. A, people freak out and shit themselves. Like I've said something like, did you, did you know that uh, Did you know that I have a flying squirrel living in my ear? Like, sincerely. He's like, wow, they didn't know the fuck you could do that. And then no one ever says, yeah, absolutely. Please help me. Really? Yes, really. Yes, and, that's, and, and before you ask, and before you make a joke about that, this is entirely sincere. An effort to solve someone's problem with resources they wouldn't normally have... You know, we yes. might. I might learn some shit. I might, well, they could tell them about how the the the, the, the guts of this data actually works. I, because people email you all the time with this shit anyway. But the moment you're actually there and you can go, oh, uh, we can um, we can probably get that sorted out by half three and then go catch a pint before the evening presentation thing. The moment you do that, people go, oh, it's not allowed to work that fast. What the fuck is that about? That's uh that's seriously. The, yeah. So I, I stopped. I stopped asking because no one ever says yes. Please help me. Weird. After having previously asked for help, like oh, we want to talk about this specific thing. Okay, we can solve that now. You've just said you've got the time. No, we can't possibly. I don't know. Maybe I come across the wrong way. I've no. I've no idea. <laughs> I just. I seriously. And you know how bad data problems get in the social sciences. People kind of go, physiological signal. Mm. You know? 
It might as it might as well be a, 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 a might as well be a box of rocks to some people. Yeah. They're trying to do their best. They're trying to get used to a, a new area of research. You say I can I can help you in the next four hours. They crap themselves. Yeah. But that's how it's. I mean, what, what do you think would happen if you emailed me the data? Exactly <laughs> the same thing. It's just you happen to be here. You might learn something. That's all. I didn't write methodology papers for just so I could keep them to myself. <laughs> Only I know the good ways. I will never share. Fuck you. <laughs> Rubbish. Anyway, I'm rambling now. Um, I think um, if I... Um, the other thing that you should do, if you've got funding to go to a conference in general, obviously there's a big difference. If you're paying, you've got to, you've got to treat that as a very serious investment because they're really cheap. Mm. If someone else is paying, go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Go. This is uh, a lot of the time it's rolled into uh, grant funding. A lot of the time it's rolled into individual PhD and fellowship funding. Sometimes it's a condition of a thing. If you win a prize, if you get a thing accepted, you've got to go X, Y, Z. We pay this and that. Yeah, man. Um, and quite often they so have... I'm in, in general, in general, I'd be like in favor of the idea of like just attend. At the very least, if all the sessions suck, maybe you'll get to see something nice. But in general, they won't. In general, you'll be able to find people or content that has some interest, even if you're a big dope who falls asleep all the time. <laughs> are you, gonna, you know what I mean? Are you going to more conferences now that you're in the States? I'm going to far less conferences now I'm in the States because no one's paying for me. Okay. And they're not cheap. I'm also like I don't have student rates anymore, and I can't I can't keep up with the collaborations that I already have on the internet. I gotta like I would be sending five separate emails to different collaborators for different things today. After we're done with this particular conversation, I'm like do I need to go out and meet more people? I would like to. Does it become a priority though when you're drowning? It's not. You know, mm. I'd love to tell people how great my stuff is, but we also have the internet for that now as well. The, the 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 way that conferences work, obviously, a lot of people would be perfectly happy presenting their research to an empty room to say they did it. And then they can go, I presented XYZ at ABC, uh, which is a guarantee of nothing. I mean, some are... It's some conferences, like engineering conferences in particular, you do conference papers, they, um, the, they are the journal articles of some fields. Mm. Like the conferences are extremely important and it all revolves around everyone continuously sharing what they're doing, being accepted to go X, Y, Z. I've been to a few of those conferences. Generally, they're quite cool. Uh, I had a conference paper that was reviewed by five reviewers and like an editor once, which is the most comprehensive review I've ever got was to go to a, a, um, a wireless health conference. Impressive. Where a lot of the stuff was engineering popular, engineering proper. Um, yeah, that's the most comprehensive review of anything I've ever had reviewed. Still, <laughs> I mean, who was five reviewers for Christ's sake? It's, it was it was full on. I, I thought it was uh, it's extremely comprehensive. Um, so the what happens now is that there's no special academic points for pushing your own research out and talking to people about it and trying to engage the rest of the world. But there are special academic points for any presentation at anywhere where you could you can say oh i was selected to go i went yeah 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 you know i mean if you the funny thing is is that i've been in a poster session and i've presented a poster i which is you know good for standing around awkwardly um <laughs> i 
no one has wanted to talk to me about this. They look at it and go, wow, that's a cavaclade of shit I don't understand. Um, and you look awful. Um, so no, I will talk to the friendly people over there. Um, and then, you know, you stick the poster online. Hmm. And then, like, you put it on ResearchGate or something and it gets downloaded 600 times. Now, which one has got more impact? Yeah, yeah. Well, I only get to claim that it's important and interesting in the first instance because it went to the conference. But the only reason anyone's ever read it is the internet. And they found it because they're just searching for it the same old way. Or they're clicking through from whatever profile you've got, etc., etc. Yeah. I wish um, more conferences... I know a few conferences do live streaming, but only for society members. It, it, probably in an effort to actually get people well, to actually... Well, so, uh, the, the problem, they, 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 they have a difficult... They've got a happy medium they've got to meet because if you live stream too much stuff, there's no point having a fucking yeah, conference in yeah. the first place. No, but the thing is, like, given the choice... But, but Okay, give, this is assuming I have research money to actually go to these conferences. Given the choice, I'll always go to the conference. But I think people just don't want to go to the... People wouldn't go to the conference. It would be a financial thing just because there, there is so much more to it yeah, than... Often than the actual yeah. um, the actual thing um but but the thing yeah, is yeah look people people who organize them a lot of the time especially if it's organized at a higher level within a society lots of people have you know they don't have there's no financial precariousness for a lot of the time for these ongoing conferences are, but the people who are it would be most useful to go a lot of the time these these people are eating lentils out of a shoe man this is not a, a bunch of well-paid people I go oh yeah all grad students they're all flush <laughs> They'll fly halfway across the world and then get a hotel like one day either side so they're not a complete wreck for actually doing the trip. If it's not a useful thing, suddenly you're spending suddenly you're spending potentially thousands of dollars and it's it's amplified even more the further it is away from stuff or if you're from Australia where everything's far unless there's a great conference in Auckland which there isn't because it's <laughs> awful. No, I was just being rude. I like Auckland. We love you. Um, we love you Kiwis. No, I'm just people always expect me in the US to be rude to New Zealand, and I can't really bring myself to do it because it's fine, you know. <laughs> There's so many. Have you been to Cessnock? Yeah, I don't go to Cessnock. <laughs> you know, at least people have the decency to sound different if you go to rural nowhere in New Zealand, yeah. and it is better looking, frankly. Uh, sorry, now that's way off topic. Look, um, do you think conferences? Do you think conferences are less useful or less like they have less primacy than they used to? Yeah, sure. Uh, because of the internet, yeah. easy. Yeah, but, it's pretty good. But I mean, but still, like, I, I still think they have an important place. Um, uh, when it comes to just to, just to meeting people and even just catching up with friends, you know, like, oh yeah, every every old bastard at every conference is always doing that. Huh? Larry, I haven't seen you since '85. But it's great. When are we going out for a bowl of prunes? I, I see more. People. That shit is continuous. It makes it really difficult to talk to them because they're all they're all hanging out. Yeah, with their, with, with, their the, with their buddies. But I reckon there'd be a space for um, even if the conference isn't officially live streaming it, um, everyone should just do it off their phones with with the, with the permission of of the speaker. You can just go up there and go. Nah, fuck that. Why just do it? Yeah, nah. Okay. All right. With the permission of the speaker, Some... don't be so wet. So, just periscope it underground some, some style. people are pretty sensitive about that kind of stuff um but um are they yeah but okay let's l- 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 just periscope it <laughs> I'm, just, I'm fucking with you i just think i think the vast majority of people would be very happy to have their exactly stuff pushed wider so imagine if there was some almost like an underground thing where phd students got together for some big big conference going hey 
we're going to make sure there's one person in, in everything live streaming it and you can circumvent the whole thing and people can actually attend the conference. And then uh, I know a lot of conferences, one that I go to actually um, encourage all the poster people to upload their posters to F1000. Yeah. Yeah, which is Good. great, which is a great idea. So if all the posters are on F1000 and if, if someone's periscoping every presentation then you can at least get the science part of it yeah for sure yeah so i don't know maybe I, not the maybe not the countertop version but the, the science the science version it's going to get pushed wider anyway you might as well do it under the rubric of the conference yeah 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 it does look it just changed also look our perspective is colored by the fact that this changes wildly within fields uh every conference has been under sort of an engineering umbrella i've ever been to is uh i think because it's just expected that you'll go to a lot of conferences it's important to present at them people talk about each other's stuff a lot of the time it's prototypes on tables um cool. the guy who built the thing is there with like one one in pieces um people bring models sometimes there's demos um it makes it very easy to have industry crossover stuff as people bring whatever it is that they've built and stick it in the you know if it's like healthcare stuff, obviously there's plenty of people who want to show you what they've built and stick it on a table. And oh yeah, heaps of devices. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it can be very cool. Um, it was uh, one of the driest kind of, it's a, the huge uh, International Union Physiological Society, whatever the hell it is, IUPS, uh, whichever it was. It was in fucking Birmingham, and that was the driest conference I've ever been to because everything. It was just five, six days of just punishingly complicated physiology stuff mm. a lot of which i was not fully qualified to be able to interpret and i didn't get uh i didn't get much out of it it was just a mismatch between career stage things yeah. i guess you know and uh i didn't know who i was supposed to talk to or what I wanted to find out, I just wanted to see things happen more broadly. And someone else was paying. Um, so, yeah, but also the, the, the appeal of that drastically goes down if you're in Birmingham. And if you're in Florence... Happy days. Well, it's the thing. Like, Do I want to listen to this person talk about the relationship between hard road variability and anxiety? Or do I want to be in Florence? You just do the old uh, get in a day early, stay a few days. I did. It didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's a problem. I think it must be very difficult to organize something like that. Because if you go to some benighted place of somewhere bad and people have got nothing to do but pay attention. Then it's perfect. So you, you almost <laughs> want to have your yeah, conferences in there. It's not the, necessarily because then there's nothing else to do. You want to go yeah. down to the bar, but it's called the Bloody Crow Bar and it's entirely populated full of people who look like they ate themselves. No, man. That's uh, the, But then you go somewhere really nice. How are you supposed to pay attention to sessions? Speaking of somewhere not nice, um, <laughs> depending on, on who you are, I was um I went to a conference last year and and we'll we'll, fin we'll finish off the the show with, with this story. I was in a conference last year in Atlanta and I was at, sort of in the the, ho the hotel bathroom at the at the urinal doing my thing and then I feel a hand on my shoulder and I'm like <laughs> what's going on here and I hear this gruff voice going have you have you got a moment and I'm like oh you know give give give, give us give us twenty seconds and 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 perhaps. And then, you know, and then I sort of, I, I hear him sort of, sort of take a few steps behind. He's like, yeah, you know, 
I'm just wondering if you can help me out. I, I recently got um, released um, released from jail, so I, I need, a bit, need a bit of a hand. So I'm there going, oh, God. <laughs> and this is like in the hotel lobby. And I'm like, oh, gee, what am I going to do? And so, you know, obviously I was, uh, the heart starts racing a bit. Um, but then, uh, you know, I f- finished doing my thing, turned around, and uh, yeah, he, he was a harmless guy, just, just a bit drunk. And then um, I, I slipped I slip him a fiver. And uh, he was uh, he was very appreciative, but uh, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> and that was inside the hotel lobby as well. And he went off and, and did his thing, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't recommend uh, you know getting a hand on the shoulder. Mid midstream mid, panhandling. Midstream. I, th- I thought it was one of my mates having a having a laugh. But <laughs> <sighs> That's it. yeah. Look, Atlanta is um. I never felt as upper middle class of my life and walking to the nice place that we'd rented to stay into the nice hotel and literally the 300 meters in between of just uh it was just broken bottles and dudes sleeping on the pavement mm. that city is uh they got some real big structural problems down there yeah yeah i liked a lot of pieces of atlanta but you gotta you know it's also huge geographically you gotta get around it but anyway look you only really find these things out if you go right yeah yeah so, would you say in general you definitely lean towards if you've got the like a lot of the time there's a, if you've got a budget obviously you've got to choose carefully. No one needs to be told that. But if it's just a matter of go or don't, because uh, maybe there's no other options, I lean towards go. I would always go, even if it's uh, even if it's somewhere really terrible. Fort Freeze Tit, Minnesota. <laughs> Uh, I lean towards go. Anyway, we have today. There's a segue for you. We've got to go too. Let's wrap it up. Thanks do, for listening. Do me job. Yeah. Good on you all. We'll Big s- smile. See you next time. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs>